you know, two things from that. Caden um, is driving. Man, I feel old. I know, right? Goodness, he's driving. You got my Me car too. yet? He's got the truck. That's what's up. I'm, yeah. I'm proud he's of him. Um, but but secondly, um, I think part of what you spoke of is absolutely white privilege. It's absolutely white privilege. Um, um, but I think also what's white privilege is the ability to um, not vocalize a stand. Um, so, for instance, when you see that, um, as, as Pastor D mentioned, all these black people being killed um, with no consequence, meaning no one ever did jail time for these murders. Um, and um, as a church and as a person, if if you are in the if you're in if you make a decision to say, well, um, nothing really I can do about it, or um, it really doesn't concern me, or any of those things, I think that speaks towards white privilege, um, because um, Pastor D and I can't afford to ignore what's happening on the news, um, because just like my dad had to tell me how to behave when I got whenever I would get pulled over by a police officer. Um, we have to do the same thing with our kids and the way society looks right now, our kids are probably going to have to do that to their kids. That speaks towards um, how I feel regarding society right now and when it, as it relates to where we currently stand with right um, racism and white privilege. We have a long way to go, um, but I think um, the church's response should never be, um, let me just stand back and let those who are suffering suffer on their own. I feel like that is absolutely not God's response. I believe Jesus Christ um, does not endorse the message of standing by while those who are suffering um, and we just um, and we don't do and we don't do anything. We don't say anything. We don't speak up. Um, and and I'm not expecting everyone to go out and be uh, Martin Luther King Jr. or or Malcolm X and <laughs> You know, and get your fist out and and go, go. But I, I do think there's there's um, a response that we all have. Um, what whatever Uncle um, Uncle Bob says a racist joke at the at the dinner table. Are we just gonna say, hey, that's Uncle Bob? You know, Uncle Bob just being Uncle Bob. No, I think there's a there's even response in that because whatever your nephew or niece also is witnessing Uncle Bob say and do these things and and. And our silence is white privilege. Our silence is, um, is what was that? That's consent. That's you consent. Consent. That's, that's endorsement. It's endorsement. It's saying that doesn't bother me enough to do anything about it. It doesn't bother me enough to, um, to, to make a decision, even if that means to cause a divide. Because Jesus, Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior, y'all know he also said that he came um to divide brought a sword brought a sword RG's. and so why and the prince of peace under what circumstance would he come to create a divide for me it means for justice sake for me it means for the sake of love if 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 brother doesn't want to get in line then brother i'm sorry i cannot Sit quiet while you sit here and oppress those who are suffering. Jesus is saying that relationship is worth that divide. 
if that means not standing up for loving people. Martin Luther King Jr., we, we, we look at him oftentimes, I think, as a Santa Claus figure. Um, I use that analogy because I think sometimes we forget how radical he was, how many people was upset, realize that men and women of God, churches, wrote letters, like, how dare you say all this stuff? Martin, to Martin Luther King Jr., the one that we finally have a statue for now. But he calls a divide. It's people that hated him. Hated, hated him so much that they murdered him. Why? He spoke the truth about what was going on. He spoke the truth to the church. Church. No, this is one of his messages says some churches have more religion in their hands and feet than in their lives. What was he saying? He's saying that has to be in your heart. You can dance, you can sing, you can clap all day long. You can give tithes and offering all day long. But if you're unwilling to stand with those who are being oppressed, if you're unwilling to stand for those who are hurting, if you're unwilling to stand with those that Jesus himself is standing with, when you feed my little children, when you feed the poor, who do you think you're feeding? Jesus said that same thing is feeding him. We have to follow that example, even the church. Church, even if that means sacrificing some of your comfort for the benefit of loving those who Jesus loves. Let me pass the mic before I keep going. <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and we've been talking about this, Randy, over the last month. We've been talking about, we've talked about 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, but then Kevin and I, we both automatically go back to chapter 12 in the latter verse where it says, let us just show you a more excellent way. You know, we're not trying to, you know, come in, condemn anybody. You know, this conversation isn't to pull out the whipping stick or any of that, but it's to say, let's, let's try to figure out a more excellent way. Let's, let's love well. We've loved, but now let's love well. So if Uncle Bob does say something, I'm going to say something to Uncle Bob because that's my way of loving well because then what happens is when, he's in, when, when the nephew, as he alluded to, is in society, he won't duplicate those things that Uncle Bob did. Yeah. So if we're going to love well, we got to love well at the kitchen table. You know, Angel posted something a couple of days ago, and I'll, I'll pass it back. But Angel posted a video that showed um, a, it was a race. And, and the guy said, everybody line up. And he said, the winner of this race is going to get $100. And then he said, now, before you uh, race, if, you're, if, if you have two, both of your parents are still married, take two steps up. If, if you've never worried about your cell phone being cut off, take two steps up. If, if, if you're going to, if you have an opportunity to go to college and it's not because of athletics, take two steps up. And, and he went down the list of different things. If you never had to worry about this, you never had to worry about that, keep on coming. And then he said, now stop and look back. He said, you didn't do anything whatsoever to give you the advantage or the head start that you have. This, was, this happened because of the privilege that was afforded to you. So when you don't speak up on those things of those people who are dealing with um, oppression, it's saying, you know what, I'm fine with my head start. <laughs> they can get to the finish line whenever they get there, but I'm okay with my head start and I'm ready to take off. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. By the way, if you're interested in some issues about criminal justice, I want to recommend this, this gentleman to you. His name is Brian Stevenson. How many of you have ever heard of Brian don't, Stevenson? Don't leave me hanging, Kevin. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> he, he writes on uh, Just Mercy. He's a lawyer, 
uh, works with the Supreme Court, deals with issues about criminal justice reform. And I will tell you, I still don't know if he's a believer or not. I believe he is just by the way that he talks. I don't know. But Randy said, hey, I'm going to hear Brian Stevenson in Columbia. I want you to come. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, but I'll come. (laughs) And it was, I believe it's the best message that I've ever heard. And I don't even know if he's a believer, but honestly, he spoke what to me was biblical truth about what is justice and what is mercy. And I was blown away. I cried. Oh, my goodness. It could have been a nasty cry. if if Randy wasn't there and I was trying to be tough and act cool it could have been a nasty cry so I I recommend you look him up he's on he's on YouTube I'll leave that there okay Colin Kaepernick I told you we weren't going to shy away from from topics they they get even stronger from here but Colin Kaepernick when I first saw that I'm trying to figure this this whole thing out and again we all sit and talk and I begin to hear some things but I want to preface with this, if I can. Y'all are familiar with the Declaration of Independence, aren't you? So the Declaration of Independence says this. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I looked at the Star-Spangled Banner just to look at the words. And some of the words from the Star-Spangled Banner said, Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. And as I looked at that, I said, you know what? America and its Declaration of Independence and its Star-Spangled Banner speak to the freedom that I enjoy. But I wonder what the Declaration of Independence and the Star-Spangled Banner speak to people who have heard it said and sung over them, and yet they were not free. Do they, in some sense, feel like that declaration was meant for people, but not for me? That that star-spangled banner is an anthem for some people, but it is not for me. And so, I wonder that if in our pursuit as, for me as a white person, I stand up and say, America is great, and... America stands for freedom. Now I'm looking and say, you know what? But I have to look back at our history and say, but it hasn't stood for the freedom of all people. Because that's what Martin Luther King Jr. did when he marched, when he stood before the Lincoln Memorial. He said, we come today uh, to, to receive what our forefathers said was to be ours. This thing called freedom. And so I believe that Many of us look at that and say, he is not patriotic, he is, he is not American. And what Colin Kaepernick is saying is, there are many people in this country who think that Declaration of Independence, it doesn't apply to them. It hasn't. And neither has the National Anthem. Okay, you guys. So, he left his mic down, so I guess he wanted me to go first. So, this, this topic is a topic that I'm, I'm sure a lot of us, many of us in here have our own personal opinions about. All right. Um, Before service started, during the countdown that we do every Sunday, there were countless conversations that were being had at the same time. And then when it reached zero, uh, my mic came on and everybody kind of shifted and then the noise volume, it, it ceased. Because now we're transitioning into our worship experience. Colin Kaepernick, it's not about 
him disrespecting the American flag. I want to say that to each and every last person in here. It's not about him disrespecting the American flag. But if you want to get a point across in Ember Church service right now, all you got to do is speak. If you say something right now while everybody's silent, guess what? Everybody will hear you. I'm going to say that again. If you're in here and you wanted to say something and get a point across, you wouldn't say it during the five-minute countdown. You wouldn't say it while half of the church is in the, in the cafe. Right now, while everybody's quiet, if you said something, you will, without a shadow of a doubt, be heard. He chose the time when it was silent and he would be heard. That's it. That's it. If, if he would have said it at the kickoff, nobody would have heard him because the noise would have been loud. If he would have said it when the jets flew over, nobody would have heard him because it would have been too loud. But at that moment, the, stadi the stadium stopped. At Ole Miss, at that moment, the arena stood still. And something happened. So if you're trying to get a point across, you don't do it when it's noisy. You do it when it's silent. If you read the scripture, the Bible even speaks of a story that said there was a time when the sun stood still. And a miracle happened. It didn't happen when the, miracle, the sun kept moving. But when it stood still, it happened. And so Callan Kaepernick is not saying that he hates America. He is saying, listen, that was a time when it was silent. It wasn't noisy. And I could be heard. To add to that, because I, I agree 100%, um, to add to that, um, to point out the hypocrisy, um, when has there ever been a point in American history um, that my ancestors, who've always had to fight for human dignity, to fight for rights, um, when has there ever been a time where, where those who um, benefited from us being oppressed said, yes, that's a good protest right there. That's a good, that's a good protest. When has that ever happened? It has never happened. What would be the point of a protest if the people that we're trying to um, get their attention say, okay, that's good. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's, it's so ridiculous. And, and then, and then, and then to look at it, from a, um, a different point of view, um, why why is the question not um, that one doesn't even um, consider is okay? If this man says I'm not doing it to disrespect the flag, I'm not doing it to disrespect um, um, our vets and those who serve our country. Um, if I'm not doing it for that purpose, why um, do those who are so angry about it? Not also ask, okay, then why are you doing it, Colin? Why are you doing it? I'm doing it because those who um, are being oppressed and those who are losing their lives, and it doesn't appear that um, you guys care about what's happening. Why? Why is the default to go to 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 go to a place where you can um, where you can um, try to justify 
not hearing him? Why is there a place where we have to go to where we, we feel like, oh, he's disrespecting our flags, so I don't even care anything else he has to say? Oh, he's di disrespecting our vets, so I can care less about anything else he has to say. No, he said that there are kids being murdered and nothing is being done about it. I'm wondering, Jesus Christ, because we're talking about church and the race, and race. I'm wondering if Jesus would say, Colin, you are right. These are my children who are being murdered. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. said, justice is what love looks like in real life. The Martin Luther King Jr. that we we now have a statue of now, he said that. What do you think Colin is, Colin is trying to say, you're not loving us. How? Not because you're not giving us a hug. Not because you're not praying for us. Not because you're not inviting us to church. It's because you're not fighting for justice for us. God is a God of justice. I think it's important that we hear, you, that we hear, that we take time to hear what he's fighting for. He's simply fighting for love. He's simply fighting for justice. And if it's a better way to do it, then I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a way, another way that people will say, "Good job, Colin. I'm so proud of you for standing up." And in our history, in our history, the history of America doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion. The fact that our history says that whenever we Whenever we have a, 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 a an agenda um, towards a group of people, then we always dismiss their value so that we can feel justified in what we're doing. Um, Pastor D, I think, mentioned earlier, or, or Rosa Kevin, I forgot who said it, um, about um, justifying, um, um, I, I forgot the example you said about drugs. Uh, yes, Kevin, about drugs, like, um, but I want to I want to go to our American history and being one third of a human. Um, the beginning of American history always was um, even when we came when 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 the forefathers of this country came to this country, it it, it came um, um, and and when they were fighting for um, to establish the United States and and all that great stuff, it was um, savages that were on this land uncivilized people on this land which signifies undeserving people to be on this land um, so when you hear the messages today it's not a new message um, why 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 did the forefathers of this country you mentioned the Declaration of Independence all this great stuff why was it important that um, Pastor D and I, why was it important that our ancestors, ancestors um, were valued at one-third of a human? Because it made it easy, easier to justify your and, and to appease your conscience to say, well, I don't have to treat them like a human because in my mind, I just said they're not. They're uncivilized, they're uneducated, they're unworthy to be treated as with human dignity. This fight for black lives matter, matter 
the, the, the fight for trying to get um, society's attention, of trying to get the church's attention, isn't a new one. It's one that our ancestors have fought throughout time in America of saying, treat us with humanity. See us for who we are. See us for who God created us to be. Not just to uphold what you feel like God has blessed you to have. If you're fighting more for your rights and what you feel like you deserve as God's people and not for those who are being oppressed, I feel like the church is on the wrong side here. I feel like the church's response should be let's fight for those who need us to fight for them. Now let me be quiet. If y'all go ahead and put up on the screen the, the number because we're running short on time. If you have a question, we're going to see if we can take a couple of those. I'll save the, the best for last, the most controversial to the to the very end. Uh, we're going to take this last topic. We'll see if there's any questions. And then we, we want to close with what is the place of the church in this issue. So that's where we're headed. We'll finish up with that. Uh, so guys, uh, most of us understand that President Trump and Make America Great Again are things that are hotly contested among Fox News and CNN and all these other places. So rather than hear it from our news outlets, I thought we should hear something from a more personal perspective on when you hear that, just from a personal level, speak to what that said. They knew I was going there, by the way. You're still not prepared as much as... No, I'm, I'm very prepared. <laughs> oh, by the way, though, we, we're running short. I, so I didn't like know we were going to take the question. Okay, so go ahead. Until, so let's, let's okay. keep them to like two sentences. Can we do that? I know that's a lot. You said two sentences? Two or three? You uh, can make them long. You put colon, I'm not going to lie in the church. I'm not going to lie in the church. Commas. Nope. I'm not going to lie in church. You can make a long church. sentence. Go I'm ahead. I'm not going to lie in the church, Kevin. Take what nope, you need. Nope, go ahead. Nope. Not going to do it. All right. <laughs> take Someone talk to you tell me... Tell you to stop? Tell you to tell me to stop. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. All right. So, so when I when I when I think about the 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 um the line "Make America Great Again," um, I remember I I recall conversations I've had with others, um, some whites, um, who said, you know, if we can go back to a time, um, you know, when, you know, back in the day, you know, when it was, it was better and it spoke towards this this moral, um place where America was um, America was this great place where you know everybody loved well everyone took care of the poor everyone had equal rights everyone um, was treated fairly um, all the I'm like uh, I don't think that's I don't think that place ever existed I think it existed just for certain groups of people it existed uh, and so and so when they say make America great again, for us, our ancestors have been fighting for future greatness for us, for for me and my kids. They they've always fought. I want to make them. I want America to be better for you guys. I want America to be a place where you can get education, where you can get a good job, where you can get fair wages, where you can get good food, all that great stuff. That's what my ancestors were fighting for, um, not for us to go back to a time where they're rights and, and dignity was even less than what it 
is now or was for them. And so, and so when someone says, make America great again, certainly isn't talking about me, because my ancestors don't want us to go back to a time where America was that. They want us to go to a place where we envision that Martin Luther King shared his vision for that great place that that great place that America can be. Um, and so it it for me that that is absolutely a, a statement that speaks at the very least of white privilege. At the very least of white privilege, if it's not just outright racist. It's it's saying that um, I want to go back to a place where white white society um, could always be on top, that their rights could never, um, not just rights, let me rephrase that, where where they were on top um, and they're, they're seen as um, the model, if you will, and that everyone else knows to get in their place. Um, and so, and it's not by accident that right after we had a black president that it went to, oh, we really got to make America great again because we don't like where America is becoming, where black people who was considered one third of a person can now rule this country, run this country. Oh, we want to go back to a time where we want to make sure that that can never happen again is what I think that statement. So at the very least for me, it means it's right privilege, but I think it's also very racist. I, I'll say this real quick. Um, I definitely believe that when you when you hear that statement, um, all of those that are believers in Christ, we always we we look towards the cross. We believe that there's a day that's coming where uh, we're going to be around the throne of Christ Jesus, worshiping Him. Um, and so we've always been a people that look forward. And I believe that if if we're ever going to be able to enjoy the greatest liberties that we've been afforded, we can't look back. I think it was Paul that even said it this way. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and I'm pressing forward. And so if we have a mindset that there was a time that was behind us that was so great that we can go and sit back in that place. Um, even when you talk about the biblical aspect of um, the in, in Exodus, when they talked about um, the Ark of the Covenant, they didn't build these physical, unmovable structures. They moved, they built these tents because the, the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God, it was always moving. It was it was moving forward and, and it was going to a different place and it was going to a place that everybody would be able to um, enjoy the, 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 the presence um, or the symbolic presence of God. And so when we preach a rhetoric or we throw out a rhetoric that says there's a time that was back that was great, and we need to get back to it. It, 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 it. It's contrary to what we as believers believe. And I believe as, as, as an African-American man that when I look back, there's not too many things that I definitely want to go back and just pitch a tent or build a structure towards. Because I believe that if we go back there, that my children are going to be lost and they're going to be lost forever. I remember having a conversation with Randy when we were talking about grace. And I said something about the good old days. That sounded like a good phrase to me. He said, Kevin, what good old days? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, what, what good old days are you talking about? He said, for me, are you talking about the days of slavery? Or are you talking about the days of segregation? Or are you talking about the fight that we've had to move past that? He said, uh, my people don't have good old days. He said, our best days have to be in front of us. And I 
think that sometimes we live in a world in which, for me, I did not see things that were going on. And so for me now, I look toward the future as saying, what can we do in order to make it better? Yeah, I'll say this real quick, I, and I was going to allude to this earlier. Where are my glasses people at? My glasses people, take your glasses off and hold them up like this. I know you can't see a thing now because I can't either. All right, but what I was going to say was this. Other than our frames, what do we have in common with our glasses, our lenses? So all we're trying to say is let's take the time to look from a different lens. If we get so captivated that we're only looking from our lens, then we'll miss something. If Kevin put on my glasses, trust me, he couldn't see what I can see, all right? Because my vision is far worse than he is, all right? But this, this lens allows me to see it. If I'm going to enjoy what society is, I have to be willing to see what he can't see from his lens so that we can work together in unity. To add to that, I feel like it's very important that, um, that we, we're self-aware enough to know that I believe that the church's response or the lens that we should be viewing things from is is that um, is in favor of those who are being oppressed. Um, so the lens for me is the lens of suffering, those um, of looking at how we how life is for those who are being oppressed, um, and not trying to look at it from the lens of what benefits me, what benefits the church. But it should be from the lens of how can the church be of more benefit to those who are being oppressed, who are in need of the church. Yeah, so let's wrap this thing up in terms of what does this mean for the church and what does it mean for us personally? Uh, so I'll start and I'll let you guys close. How's that sound? So for me, I was standing in front of my mirror in my bedroom, in my bathroom. And there were some issues going on about, um, it was an issue of race. I can't remember now exactly which one. And I asked the question. You have to be careful when you ask God a question because sometimes he'll speak real fast. And in this one, I hardly could breathe before I felt the Holy Spirit speak back. But my question was, God, when is it enough? When is it ever en enough? There seems to be that question that is out there in our minds of, Will there ever be a day that we don't have to talk about this, a day that we can check this off the box and say it's done and it's over? And I promise you, as soon as I said that, God, when will it ever be enough? I heard the Holy Spirit say, Kevin, when you fix it. Kevin, when you fix it. And I was sitting there going, who am I? Who am I to fix this? But what I've learned from these guys and other conversations is that the issue of racism, the issue of poverty, of helping the, those who are uh, oppressed is never something that you can just check off of a box and say, well, tell me what to do. We'll check it off the box so we can move on. Because ultimately, I think that's really what we want to do, right, is just move on. But it's a heart issue. It really is about the issue of your heart. And are you going to stand with those who are oppressed? Are you going to stand with those who are broken in whatever capacity you have to do it? I get to be the pastor of this church, and I get to use that and that capacity to try to move this forward so that I might stand for those who are hurting. You're going to go out on Monday, and you're going to have an opportunity, and the question is, will you take that opportunity? When you're before some people who are, who are saying things that you know are, are pale, they're, they're not appropriate, are you going to stand up or are you just going to smile and, and let it happen? 
I believe the church has to be on the side, the right side. It has to finally get on the right side of taking care of those who are oppressed, those who are broken, and restoring people. You guys. I applaud, first of all, I want to applaud um, both of you guys as, as pastors of this church um, for for the calling that you guys have taken on. Um, I mean, part of the, the work that we do at, as um, Racial Table SC is we work with churches, we work with companies, uh, we're dealing with the, the topic of race. And I can tell you that um, with the bold leadership that you guys have of, of just saying, hey, we're here to impact people's lives. And that means entire lives. Um, I tell you that I'm. I'm really. Um, I thank God for the service that you guys are providing here to this community. Um, and I believe that's an example of what the church should be doing. Um, um, and so I, I think that the church, um, with our many flaws, um, God loves us. And I believe that God wants us um, to continue to love his people. Um, and for me, I think it's important that in, in our calling of, of what should the church do, um, there, will, there will never be a time that we fed all the poor. There will never be a time where cancer no longer exists. There will never be a time where um, people are, don't have access to education and health care. There would never be a time where um, families and homes are, aren't broken. There will never be a time where divorce doesn't happen. These are painful realities in our society. But what we do as a church, we're supposed to be working to help heal all of this hurt that I just mentioned. All of this hurt many of which we had nothing to do with causing. But that doesn't change what the church's response should be. The church's response should be, I should love those um, who are in need of love. Um, everyone. That means being and fighting for, for love for those who are oppressed and showing um, those who are oppressed that, that we truly love you. And that means compromising, even if that means compromising and losing something on our end. I believe that's the church's response. You know, I when when I started New Life eight and a half years ago, I the first sermon uh, that I ever preached was the purpose of the church. Um, and I came from the book of Acts and I talked about the foundation and the, the, the building of the church. And every November, uh, the first Sunday in every November, I would preach that same message, the purpose of the church, every, every year, every year. And the reason why I did it was because it was so imperative that the church never lost sight of its purpose. When we go back to the book of Acts and we read that about the foundation of the church, you'll find that it said that all people brought all things, that we have all things in common. It didn't speak to certain ethnicities or certain races having war. It didn't talk about certain um, genders having war. It said that all people brought all things to the church so that we had all things in common, that if somebody had need, we would be able to take care of the need. 
And so I believe that as the church, what we have to do as we continue to fight this fight of racism um, and injustice and bias, et cetera, et cetera, we have to make sure that we embody, we embody the fact that everybody needs to have all things in common and we can't allow any characteristic to cause us to not treat them the way that we would treat those that look like ourselves. And if I can add one more thing, I apologize. When, when, and, and in scripture, scripture makes it very clear of how the world would know that we're his disciples. It's simply the love that we show one another. That's not saying the love that we just show to people that we go to church with. Um, Christ made it very clear of, of, of the fact that um, we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourselves. He made it easy for us. Um, he made it easy for us. I just want to add that thing before because I, <laughs> I lost my thought. Before. Yeah. So church family and those who are listening with us, thank you for coming to be a part of this conversation. You know, one of the things that, that strikes me about this church is we've been built on this principle of doing the stuff, right? Doing the stuff. If you say, what, what does that mean? I'm, I'm new here. It means that rather than talk about the stuff and pray about the stuff and sing about the stuff, God told me, Kevin, just go do the stuff. So if I have a chance to talk about the stuff or pray about the stuff or sing about the stuff, I'd rather just go do the stuff. And as we've come together as one church, that's doing the stuff. As we love one another, that's doing the stuff. As you go to work tomorrow morning and you go to school, I'm going to ask you to find a way to do the stuff of loving well. Because I think that's what Jesus would want us to do. When they see that we love each other. When they see that we, we love each other as Christians. When they see us love them. Then they're curious. Then they're curious about our God. And I can assure you that our God loves them. So let's stand. I want to pray with you guys. Guys, will you come with me and let us just pray. Hmm. You said a more excellent, a more excellent way. You said love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. I thank you for a never failing love in us. I pray for a courageous love in us. I pray for a Samaritan kind of love that will love in the trenches, will love in the ditches, will love when it is bloody and it is bruised and it is dirty and when it is hard. God, bring us to that kind of love as a church family. Lord, let us move beyond what is convenient, what is easy, what is good for us. Sometimes this won't be convenient for us. Loving's not always convenient. It wasn't convenient for you to die on a cross it wasn't convenient for you to shed your blood for us it wasn't easy for you to forgive us but you did it still and so lord help us be a church that does this stuff of loving that regardless of who you put in front of us today or tomorrow in the days ahead we're gonna love them god we're gonna love them because that's what you do they can mistreat us we will love them they can think differently than us we're gonna love them because we believe that love covers a multitude of sin and so father we want to see the best in each other and we want to speak for those who can't speak we want to move for those who can't move God, we want to stand up for those 
who don't know how. Lord, we want to be a church that loves well. We want to be a church that loves well. God, teach us what it means to love well. And then let us never have much distance between what we know in our head, what we know in our heart, and what we do with our hands and our feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.